0: Oh, hey, Jeff. I didn't see you there. It's Shake Them Ropes, episode 328. My name is Chris Novembrino. Joining me, as always, on Shake Them Ropes is Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, I'm working on some arpeggios. How you doing? (laughs) They're trickier than they look. They're much trickier than they look.
1: They are. They are. Arpeggios are tricky on almost any instrument, but... uh... Elias has moved on. He's actually gotten better in his guitar playing since getting moved up.
0: You know uh, what he's I, really good at? He's really good at playing bad for comedic effect. Yes. 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 It's a hard. fine, Yeah, it's a fine art on the instrument. You have to be familiar enough at it to get comedic sounds out of it while still looking like you're actually trying to do the thing. And he, he does a very good job at it. I, I was howling during a lot of that.
1: I thought him as Greek chorus for the show was a brilliant idea, and then ended on the RKO. I thought that was one of the better through lines they've had on a pay-per-view.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the whole part at the end where he's like, well, I'm done now. I've actually finished my performance, which I was like, whoa, he never gets to this part of it. And then, of course, he gets the RKO at the end. No, I, I enjoyed that, but there was a lot of other stuff on Fastlane here that... Uh, was reminiscent of uh, WCW, kind of late era, a little bit.
1: Uh, quick plug for me, I did the post-show for Fastlane over at Fightful. Those are my hot takes. These are more my more tepid, measured, contextual, through the eyes of Raw and SmackDown takes this week, Chris. Is there um, anything
0: in the news section of the show that we sometimes have that you want to I... hit here? Do you want to talk about Conor McGregor getting arrested?
1: No, because I find him a clown. But I will mention that uh they announced that Harlem Heat is uh getting inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> Certain people who run other Hall of Fames dismissed it a little bit too harshly for my taste. Look, there's two things. I, Harlem Heat was a good but not spectacular tag team. I always enjoyed them. They're kind of brawlers. Um, So they never would get over with the work rate types of guys. But they were pretty popular
0: in WCW, too. I think that gets underappreciated. They yeah. had a real fan base.
1: Vince thinks of himself as a civil rights pioneer. And also their name is Harlem Heat. And the show is in New York City. OK, let's not overthink this. Nobody brought up the Harlem, New York City connection I've heard in any of. You know, your usual pundits.
0: I think because you so heavily associate Booker T with Houston.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's just it. It, You do. They're they're both from Texas. Look, I, I always thought they you know what they really had to me in terms of what I really liked about Harlem Heat is they always had the aura of menace which is what I want in a tag team. I thought they were
0: good as heels, and then I thought later on when they became babyfaces, that team actually worked. They looked tough. You had to take them seriously. They were a good heel tag team. They were very, very important for WCW's tag team division, 1995, 1996, 1997, all the way up until Stevie Ray went and joined the NWO. But that allowed for Booker T to get his shine. And then when they reunited later on at the tail end of WCW, they were popular again.
1: I hated what they did with uh, Colonel Parker because because that was just cheap, racist, you know, clickbait type stuff. Sherry was a little bit better, but not much. But I always liked them as a team. I I never had any problem with them. You know what? They could have brawls with guys like the Nasty Boys or the Steiners. I didn't need, you know, I didn't, you know, they weren't exactly strong style but they weren't exactly just dancing around doing moves either. So I mean, I it, it's this the WWE Hall of Fame is part of the entertainment show. I'm not I don't I don't get caught up in purity contests and I think wrestling observers Hall of Fame is a little bit too strict and also gamed in some way for my taste. So I I didn't have a problem with you know, just being happy for Stevie Ray to get a moment out there when he's kind of been overshadowed by Booker T all these years.
0: The Hall of Fame is really more of a Hall of Significance. And if you're looking and trying to tell the story of WCW, which is now part of WWE's history as well, you have to have the Harlem Heat in there. They're not like disorderly conduct or high voltage. This is a very important team in WCW's history.
1: It's a work sport for God's sake. What, what are we Wait, doing? Trying, what are we doing trying to compare it? You know, well, you know, this guy's on base percentage wasn't. You know, you can't do that in pro wrestling. Promoters decide who's going to be the stars. So you know what? Promoters also get to decide who gets to go in their halls of fame. There you go. Get over it. Sorry, I'm 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 so cranky after that Smackdown that we're going live right after SmackDown pretty much.
0: I like doing this to him so that I can <sighs> just get him right at his maximum saltiness. Do you want to start from SmackDown and work our way back to Fast Lane, or should we go in sequential order?
1: No, I I wanna go into I wanna go through fast lane and kind of do it through the spectrum of Raw and SmackDown at the same time if I if if I possibly can, we'll hit anything I miss on Raw and SmackDown afterwards.
0: Okay, so what skeleton would you like to work through? Should we start with Raw then?
1: Uh, no, I want to work through Fastlane.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I thought you wanted to work through Fastlane through the skeleton of Raw. I see.
1: Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in the Raw. No, skeleton no, I I, I now,
0: see. So. No, no, different different skeleton, different skeleton. <laughs> there are many skeletons in this closet. <laughs> Of mine. I don't I don't even really know where that's going. So the pre-show. I missed the pre-show, Jeff. Anything interesting of note to you happen on the pre-show?
1: Um they did set up the AJ Styles Randy Orton confrontation, which I thought was good. And the iconics are entertaining. Uh the tag match between New Day and, and Nakamura and Rusev was was good. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it was good. Um
0: I like the establishment of Biggie and Xavier as kind of really having Kofi's back here. They're they're just going to yeah. be support. They I don't there's not going to be some like Biggie turn or anything before Mania at least.
1: Everything about their interaction was great. I mean, they did the uh they they did, they were doing an interview with Kevin Owens and uh a, a PA said, "Hey, Vince wants to see you about the championship match." And, and Kofi basically told Kevin Owens, Hey, I got no hard feelings against you. This isn't your fault. I thought that was a nice touch too. Kofi is, is pure baby here. He's not a op- opportunist. He's not, you know, looking to shade someone and complain about it being unfair. He's just. He's just kind of taking it, you know, on the chin, and you know he's upset about it.
0: He's gonna break at some point, and I think it's gonna be really gratifying. Like he, he's gonna be a house on fire one of these weeks. There will be a point where he finally snaps. I think.
1: I think that moment passed. I think they should have done it earlier, but but, I agree. uh, I agree. I think
0: we're still building to that. I think that's where the structure is going, with the five person gauntlet that he's facing here next week. But before that, we have the Miz and Shane McMahon versus the Usos to try to get the tag team championships back. I actually really enjoyed this match, Jeff. I was not expecting a lot. I thought that Shane looked pretty good by Shane's standards. I liked the midair interceptor move that happened late in the match where Shea McMahon hits Jimmy Uso or Jay Uso with a dropkick while they're going for the splash. I thought that looked really cool. And the crowd was very much behind The Miz. Uh, The the Miz is a babyface. It's really connecting with people. Where this match went off the rails for me is in the post-match beatdown where Mm -hmm. everything was super... That could have been classic. That If the Miz's dad could act at all, that would have made a big difference because he was sitting there like stone-faced and not really knowing how to sell any of the action, which was very important for getting over the intensity of the moment, and he was such a distraction from that that it took me out of it then we can get into shane's god-awful arm smush against your face triangle thing that he's doing and then the mrs biceps smushing against his cheek and he's got the big eyes and he's looking at his dad who's not acting the right way and all of this was just really flat and it had the ability in my mind to be really really good and it just wasn't
1: let me get the good out of the way i continue to respect Shane McMahon for going out there and almost killing himself on the top turnbuckle every time we have one of these matches. And yes, that intercept, while it only hit the Uso in the leg, that's still, that's a hard spot to pull off and pull off well. My problem was also in the post match, uh, beatdown, which, by the way, seemed to have put Miz out for this week, which I'm just like, that triangle every other was devastating. Shows up.
0: That, that was a traumatizing triangle. Here's,
1: here's what was missing. The heel turn wasn't earned within the framework of the story of the match they told. And I really wanted, cause they were doing a good job. They were, when, when Miz lost, Because the story is Miz jumps off the top rope outside and he gets a little bit full of himself that he's an aerial daredevil like Shane McMahon, and his dad is into this match too, encourages him to go to the top rope to try and hit a move to win the match, hits a frog splash, or he goes for a frog splash, Usos get the knees up, pins him one, two, three. In the post-match where they're recovering and they're checking to see if everybody's okay Shane needed to ask what happened. And Miz could have then kind of gone, you know what? I was in the moment, and my dad told me to go up to the top rope. And going to the top rope where Miz doesn't belong at all could have been the thing to set Shane off. And that wasn't there. So I just watched the heel turn as, oh, that's something that's happening. And I was, I was assured. On the Fightful show. Oh, don't worry, Jeff. On Tuesday, they have a chance to clean this all up. You could have given a nice promo about fathers and sons, about trying to please one's father. And they dodged that
0: uh, entirely. This is just about Shane's ego,
1: which doesn't make sense. And they made it about Shane just is tired of people asking him for stuff. What?
0: Look. Look. Miz story, wasn't asking for anything during this process. If anything Any story yeah.
1: you write. The ending is in the beginning. If you wanted to do that, we could go back, because they even played on this before the promo, you could have gone back to the best in the world tournament where he took over for Miz. And it could won have it.
0: just been about he's always wanted the trophy entirely to himself.
1: Yes. It looked as simple as that. And that would have been That would have been hokey as hell, but it at least makes sense versus, man, you don't know. People are always asking for stock options and stuff. Screw off.
0: There's been so much, like, inside the company behind the curtainy stuff in the dialogue, and some of it. I, most of it almost all of it doesn't help but boy the stock option stuff I, that's got to fly over the audience's head this, this a large majority politics. what kid what kid is sitting there going oh man they're always asking Shay for stock options or thinking oh you know what that employee's <laughs> entitled to stock options shade you're being a real jerk here by saying oh i don't want to give you those stock options i mean
1: come on oh man you know those eight-year-olds are really hooked into george Berrios's quarterly stock calls and asking questions about investment opportunities and how growth is going in india you know it's just like what in the this is all stuff that matters to vince and you can tell in the writing and you're just like no simple straight ahead story he went to the top rope he doesn't belong there shane got mad at that because Shane's been killing himself off the top rope all these times to try and win the match. And then when Miz does it, he's obviously not good at it. So he loses. There you go. (laughs) Oh, I'm so mad. Go to the next match, please.
0: Okay, so after that, we had Elias come out. He made fun of the biz, and that was very funny. And then we had Oscar versus Mandy Rose in the match that actually really got the WCW antenna up for me here. WCW circuit 1998, 1999, when things got real janky. Um, oh, I, I don't really have. Before a, you go, before you okay. hold on, before you go okay. into this,
1: there was something on the pre-show that ties into this as well.
0: All right, hit me.
1: EC3 comes up to Mandy and I'm going to call her Daria, but it's Sonia, Sonia yeah Sonia and, and, and Mandy and is, is putting the moves on Mandy and and Sonia dresses down EC3 And so we have we have a little uh, tensione. tensione
0: it's back yes. between fire Ooh. and desire. You might say there's both fire and desire with them. Because Mandy desires. And, 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 uh, and we get it. Know, okay, it. all right, whatever. Okay. Fine, I was trying to explain <laughs> it. So, Asuka and Mandy have a match. Uh, Jeff, are you yeah, off the Mandy train officially after this match?
1: I haven't been on the Mandy train because, <laughs> oddly enough, it's because of this Sonya storyline that's been going back and forth for months and they decide to reheat it again. i i Well,
0: I'm saying I, her as a wrestler. I, I, I thought that no. this was pretty rough. This was. This I was think not she's a good still okay. okay. I think
1: she's still okay, and I think she'll con. I think she <laughs> needs some longer house show matches with skilled people to get a little bit better. But I, I, I still think she has hope. I just think the character is so one dimensional, cringe, and you know you're, you're listening to Corey, kind of you know, hey, quiet, so I can concentrate, kind of thing going which makes it even creepier but look the slipping on the apron spot is clever but i don't want that in a pay- i want that on a tv show match not on a pay-per-view match i think it's and kind of a the lame interpersonal
0: chemistry stuff between sonya and mandy at that point's weird though too right like pulling it, out the kendo dumb. stick yeah the
1: the timing is bad because you just had the miz and shane break up So we have another tag team that's feuding right after that. Yeah. And now you've twice
0: teased this breakup uh, to follow in and weave in SmackDown. And it's like, I think people actually, I know people are already ready for Mandy to just, you know, betray Sonya. I don't know what we're waiting for. I, I don't know why we're taking these extra beats.
1: Because they haven't planned it out.
0: Right. No, I, I, I get that. I'm, I'm saying from a writing standpoint, I don't understand why we're choosing to kind of keep circling around here.
1: Um, well, you know what? This goes into almost every storyline on the roster, and it's a point I'm going to bring up in a bit. They have the story. They just don't want to tell it directly, so they keep throwing these obstacles in the way. And what it does is it ends up diluting the power of the story. And and this is gonna be a recurring theme on, on this show, especially when we get to the women's match um between you know with Rhonda and whatnot, and also even this Kofi match. They keep they go, okay, the story straight, straight ahead story is there. Okay, what can we do to make it better? Okay, we need to throw all these obstacles in there to keep the interest in there and keep moving and you know, keep having this fluidness on the show. That's the other thing you notice is Nothing had any resonance because nothing had time to breathe. It was always, and they literally said this on Raw at one point. All right, moving on. You know, you'd have a match finish, and then you'd have an entrance of a character, and then you'd have a vignette, and then you'd have a match entrance. And it would just all, you know, it's like an ADD type of situation where it's like you always have to have, you know, something going on because you might lose the audience's attention. And it's a combination of those two things. Back to the match. Sorry, I apologize. Went off on a bit of a tangent there.
0: No, that's quite all right. Before this next match between the bar and Kofi Kingston, we had a little backstage segment where Kofi Kingston is standing outside of Vince McMahon's door, as he has been for the last hour ever since... He was told to go and meet with Vince McMahon, and wait for Vince McMahon to come and get him. And then the New days show up and Kofi goes inside. And Vince is like, oh, I've been waiting for you because Vince is now messing with Kofi. And we're eventually going to get the story why Vince hates Kofi. We still don't quite have that yet. I mean, we have Vince's underestimation of Kofi, but we don't really have the, but why do you hate me part of this? And that's clearly uh, something that's going to drop here. Anyways, Vince tells Kofi, you're going to be wrestling next. And I I believe he says that he's going to be in the championship match, right? Like, they tried to retcon this tonight, but the way he said it on the pay-per-view, it was pretty much direct. It wasn't even implicated. It was directly said he was going to be in the title match.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, no, I agree. They, they not only said that. But in the scripting of Kofi's excuse for why he was outside the office, he says, I've been waiting out here for an hour. They never brought up that he was told to wait out there by Vince from right. the inside. So so I just I literally asked this. I go, did he ever say he knocked on the door to go in? Yes. At any point? That was
0: strange to me. I thought that that was actually Vince messing with Kofi. And so then Kofi goes down to the ring. And the match, actually the ring announcer going further to this, I, I, you know, if they wanted to do the thing where Vince was being weaselly with the words and Kofi wasn't listening too closely, that would have been fine. Um, but that's actually not, they didn't say the right words in order for that story to actually make sense here. Uh, And so then out come the bar, and they have a two-on-one match against Kofi Kingston, which Kofi loses in about five minutes, but not before losing the audience here to a This is Boring chant, um, which was not necessarily a great start. Crowd perked up a little bit when uh, Nakamura and Rusev came down, and then the New Day came down to make the save here. But uh, I I didn't think that this was a great note in the Kofi-mania story
2: no, because it made him look dumb. Yeah, And and I'll tell you why. Because nobody ever said, if you lose this match, you lose your chance. He should have just left. He said, screw this. I'm not not playing your game. I'm done. Instead, we have to watch him get beat down. Here's the other thing that just bothers the hell out of me. This was the point I was bringing up earlier. You have the crowd. This crowd is hotter for Kobe than they've ever been in his entire career. You did it. You did what you set out to do. and just tell the story. Keep the guys away from each other and build the story. You, didn't need, you don't need obstacles because the obstacle was the 11 years.
0: His career has been the obstacle.
2: Exactly. You know what they're doing? This is, this is how I put it uh, the other night. You took the bad the other. That entire movie is setting up to that Mexican stand. And this is also my metaphor for the Rhonda-Charlotte we You built the story. You've got everybody there. Everybody has motivation. Everybody has a story to And you decide, you know what would be good right now? we are going to have every Native American in this territory ride down. And they're going to have to fight them off. And then they're going to get back to the, the Triangle off. And then we're going to have the Army come in. They're gonna have to fight
0: them off. And you? then here come the British again.
2: Yeah.
1: It's a steak and you, know, you can have a great steak with salt and pepper, but no, we're gonna give you this barbecue glaze on it with crispy onion strings and blue cheese and a mountain of guacamole and a salad. And it's like sometimes steak is the best. Just simple. You don't need the toppings on it. Just go with the steak. And they can't because they have four weeks of television to fill and they can't figure it out for a live audience because a live audience has now been conditioned to expect every star every week doing the star things.
0: Well, the craziest thing to me about the gauntlet match next week is I think we're really starting to run the risk of cheapening the meaning of the gauntlet match, which used to be a fairly effective device for getting... A wrestler who needed some reheating, uh, especially if they're going to be moved into the upper echelons, reheating. I think we've gone to the gauntlet one too many times here.
1: Well, okay, but not only that, we've gone to the reasoning department, which, again, if you're an eight year old watching this, who cares if if, about the B plus player crap?
0: Who cares? They don't get that. No, if you're an 8-year-old, that was happening when they were 2. I get that. The B-plus player, and Daniel Bryan saying that is, you know, of course, 3D Daniel Bryan referencing back to his angle in 2013 when he was called the B-plus player by Triple H, but for a child who's 9, they were 3 then. Maybe they yeah, caught but, up with that on archival television.
1: And, and, and Well, no, but it, it's more, again office politics and
0: well no having daniel bryan say b-plus players specifically a reference to that
1: yeah no no I, I yeah that that is and that's the wink and nod to the older fans but at the same time overall this is again this is a story of office politics and corporate fealty and look how loyal look how loyal kofi's been this entire time good sir which also has a cringy aspect to it that the racial aspect to this to this angle it shouldn't make me as uncomfortable as it does but it does
0: it's hard to ignore it when they say guys like me yeah and you sent and you sent
1: us to india to do your bidding and it's just like oh all of it is just but yeah no the gauntlet match (laughs) he may lose this gauntlet match just to build more heat. And yes. now, he's, yeah, now I how think is he he's going go- to find a way yeah. in? It's like, oh. Yeah,
0: he's going to lose the gauntlet match next week. I, I think that that's almost certain. Or it's all going to be another trap. There isn't actually going to be a gauntlet match next week.
1: Yeah, and you you're doing this story at the same time as you're doing the Becky Lynch has to jump through hoops to get her match story. And it's just...
0: Well, that's like also why I guess they kind of cooled off with Stephanie as the management figure in that story.
1: Yeah. I, I, see, the other thing I'm not understanding all that much. It wasn't more than a month and a half ago. We had all the McMahons out here as baby faces. The realignment of just, the
0: McMahons and Hunter is a very strong baby face, especially in the context of this Batista feud. Sort of. I, I will get to the And Batiste now we're just back
1: to all the McMahons. Right. Or like the McMahons are mostly heels, except for Stephanie's Hunter a maybe. And probably Steph. Yeah, Stephanie's maybe. We don't a maybe. know about Stephanie. Yeah, right. Because Stephanie doesn't play Endearing very well.
0: No, and she's been kind of going in both directions throughout the story, too. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it's it's weird. The McMahon family being reintroduced as the overarching management storyline. Who could have seen that being a problem? So up next, we have the Raw Tag Team Champions, The Revival versus Ricochet and Aleister Black and Chad Gable and Bobby Roode in a match that was, I don't know, like under 10 minutes, but was actually pretty good for what it was. It was just short.
1: was good for what it was. There There are two types of these types of three-way tag matches. There's the very choreographed theme park stunt show where, oh, look, this guy is landing a move as soon as this guy flies off at the top, and we have your Temple of Doom spots and stuff. And that's what this was, and it was fine. But it's not the kind of match the Revival needs to be in. The Revival need to be in the two-man work on one guy to get heat, stomp him down a bit, hot tag, They need to almost
0: have a strategy going into the match. Like The first thing they do is they show up and ambush, I don't know, let's say Bobby Roode and immediately start attacking Bobby Roode's leg before the match starts and kind of leave him a little injured and wounded and then go to work on Ricochet, right? And and kind of the idea is we're going to take out one member of each one of these teams, which will give us a better chance. They need to be working through strategy in this match.
1: This was a sprint, 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 catch a guy with a move and pin. Everybody was going full speed the entire time. It was fine for what it was. I get that. It's just... That's not my cup of tea for tag team wrestling. It might be yours, but at the same time, it's only 10 minutes, and it doesn't get over the division, in my opinion.
0: No. Good win for the Revival, but again, I thought the more interesting and more meaningful person to pin in this match would have been either Ricochet or Aleister Black. They weren't going to do that. I understand
1: why they don't want to do that. Yeah, I I get why they don't
0: want to do that, but I, I, you know... They have enough things going on that losing right here when they have storylines going on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, respectively, I, I don't think it would have hurt them.
1: You know what? One other piece of news that we didn't bring up up top, but also uh, starting at the WWE Performance Center this week, as a manager, allegedly, I believe, Stokely Hathaway. I am in for this. I want him to be the Revival's manager. If he is there to be a manager, let him manage on the main roster the best tag team that needs a kind of a mouthpiece edge to him. I am I am happy for that. Stokely is phenomenal if you've never seen his work managing. He is absolutely great.
0: And Dash and Dawson are good enough talkers that if they have a really good talker to play off of, they'll be very, very effective. Yes, So up next, we have the United States champion Samoa Joe facing R-Truth, Andrade, not Andrade Sien almost anymore, and Zelina, no longer Zelina Vega, with Rey Mysterio also in the match. And Samoa Joe comes out of this with a big W. I thought that was good for him. And I like this match okay, but but this pairing, there there was just a little too much. I think Samoa Joe would have been better off in just a straight-up triple threat. The fourth person didn't help.
1: I think it would have fine in a one-on-one match as well. But my problem, my only issue with this was we just saw this on the previous Tuesday. Yeah. Most of it. I mean, look, they pulled out some different moves. Our truth is is defying father time, and I got no problem with him. He holds his own in these matches. Um, I thought the the double Huracurana spot was awesome. But I had just seen this four-way. And it looks like we're just going to keep on running it with these four without real storytelling. It's just in the ring stuff. And then moving on again, <laughs> you know- and
0: kind of a noncommittal approach to Samoa Joe. He's clearly a heel because he's going to be part of the gauntlet next week. But the crowd likes him and wants to cheer him as a babyface.
1: He was great, and he also had a bit of something to do on the pre-show because Zelina goes and confronts Carmella, who is trying to get people to sign a petition for R-Truth to have a rematch because there are no more automatic rematches, and he comes in as charming Samoa Joe. Hello, ladies. You know what? I'll put, you know, as opposed to menacing Samoa Joe, and he is phenomenal in both. That's that's what I love about Samoa Joe on promos. He is obviously the best he rises above the material in in this company
0: so up next we have billy and sasha banks facing nia Jax and tamina um so a lot of times we've been saying so far that the the problem has been at the tail end of the match here Uh, in this match at least for me the problem was very much during the match nia Jax is is still pretty rough uh, I, I don't know if slash when it will tighten up, but uh, th- this this was not a tight outing at all.
1: Nia Jax looked bad throughout this match. Um, I put part of the blame on her. I put part of the blame on... As we were talking about in the Revival tag team match, they just need to do a straight tag match. Where they're beating on someone, and then you get a hot tag. Yeah, Bailey Way was too an much absolute. overthinking
0: with the offense from Naya and Tamina. There's t-
1: there's too many convoluted spots that expect Tamina and Naya to defy physics at times, and not necessarily have the strength to stop a flying human being, even one as tiny as Sasha down there. Um. Bailey was an absolute saint during this match. I thought she looked great in the midst of this chaos that was happening as the match was falling apart.
0: After the match, there is a beatdown segment involving Beth Phoenix, and then Natalia runs down to make the save, and then she also gets beat down. Beth Phoenix, she still looks to be in pretty great shape.
1: Yeah. No, I my issue was ring rust with her i mean if, if we're gonna put her in a match with natty it looks like it's gonna be a multi-tag with these three teams and probably the iconics who <laughs> billy k is one of the better promos They're in the women's super division. entertaining
0: but she's um, also not necessarily a razzle dazzler right. in the ring
1: this is not what they want for the this is not what the people holding the women's tag team titles want to get the match over they want a great match, but I think they're going to have a gauntlet or a multi-team type thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Trish and Lita are involved somehow, but yeah, no, Beth Phoenix is back. The problem was she, with the heels she was wearing, she dwarfed Tamina and was almost as big as Nia Jax, which I'm just like, okay, that's, uh, that's an interesting, um, staging. But, uh, I, I thought that, I thought the beatdown afterwards looked pretty darn rough and, uh, did its job and then you know you had further into the story between Bailey and Sasha jumping Nia and Tamina after uh, at, uh, on raw. So. I liked
0: that little moment backstage. That kind of came out of nowhere that felt chaotic and felt a little old school. Although then I started to realize that that meant we're building to a multi-team match that we weren't just having that as a spot.
1: Well, it also meant that the baby faces were acting a bit heelish.
0: Yeah, but Nia and Tamina have been sort of courting this for a minute. Oh, also, that happened on Raw. uh, Lacey Evans had a little square off with Nia Jax there for a second. (laughs) Is Lacey Evans now a heel again after, you know, talking Uh, to the hand with uh, Renee at the announce table?
1: I think she's just sassy.
0: Oh, that's being sassy? Yeah. Yeah, as we discussed, being a sassy Southern Belle is basically quintessential heel stuff. It's very weird. Um, And then we get to our WWE championship match. Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali. Poor Mustafa Ali, man. Uh, Just really put into a death spot here and and did what he could. But the crowd, they wanted Kofi.
1: This was a poorly thought out idea, in my opinion. They thought that Mustafa Ali getting put in this match would help quell some of the Kofi chance because people had given him some goodwill in this bit, He looks like a Kofi Proxy though. He was a Kofi Proxy. I know, but he he
0: looks like, I mean, like if you are going to replace Kofi Kingston with a wrestler, that is very similar to Kofi Kingston. Mustafa Ali is a very good pick on the roster.
1: Making him a surprise was also a bad move. This needed a vignette.
0: That's true. There could be a way to get the crowd on board with Mustafa getting a chance here tonight, but the problem is He's a good guy and he's getting a good opportunity and how can that come from the poisonous tree of Vince McMahon
1: yeah they, they, they had an uphill climb they won the crowd about halfway through the match um, people were buying
0: into babyface Kevin Owens slowly they're nibbling they're nibbling
1: yeah the, the, the thing is he's a proxy and they they got it back going about halfway through the match you had the uh, you know the, the 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 450 on the apron. Kevin Owens almost killed himself on the Somerset Plancha. I mean, if you you saw his head, I mean, it almost grazed the corner of the broadcast table. I mean, with the work rate, they got him over, but you don't put, you know... This would have been more effective
0: if Rowan had been inserted as the third man in the match, and it was effectively a handicap match, but presented as still a triple threat, and Kevin Owens has to try to overcome the odds against those two.
1: Yeah, you could have had that. I mean, it, it... between this and the match tonight, where Mustafa Ali just gets killed, I, I think he's been faded a bit.
0: Yeah, I, he feels I agree. cold. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, and, and now that he's getting comped through Kofi Kingston, that's not helpful in this particular moment.
1: Well, I thought you could have done something where you build him up for Joe for a one-on-one match because that was the story before he got hurt. But I'm, I'm like. I'm like, well, it's going to be so much harder now to heat him back up when you want to heat him back up.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, eventually they might revisit that Joe angle, but it won't be the same as when he first came up and there was really starting to be some goodwill fostered with the audience.
1: Yeah, no, this was a fun, enjoyable match. It just, it just it, it felt weird because of the Mustafa Ali insertion. And it's it like, kept me
0: from believing this, that anything significant was going to happen here in this match. Right.
1: Right, and, and this crowd just absolutely crapped on it. They should have probably just kept it as Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then we had Becky Lynch getting a pivotal victory over Charlotte Flair by disqualification. They had a match. It was kind of a silly match because Becky's on one leg and Charlotte... Doesn't want to just go for the win, even though she should go for the win, so it made her look kind of stupid. I guess you could say it kind of makes her look arrogant. But the stupid-arrogant ratio was was in full effect here in a serious way. And then, at the tail end of the match, as Becky's about to lose the match, Ronda Rousey comes down and does the finger poke of doom circa 2019 by hitting Becky one time on the chest.
1: as i said with my good and bad and the ugly uh storyline you had the story even with charlotte's insertion you had the story it was gonna be becky overcoming the odds winning the rumble against ronda rousey baddest woman on the planet you had it and then you had to add in all these obstacles for her to get through and Becky Lynch is now the weakest person of the three after Fastlane. She's, the promo she did a she lot did for tonight. Uh, no, was, the, that did a hell of a lot for helped, her That helped, but
0: it also sort of was a painful recap of how silly this angle has been. She's been suspended, unsuspended, arrested. Um, she's now had her leg injured. I mean, we, we've taken many twists and many turns along this journey here.
1: Yeah, but you know what? She came off as so likable in that promo because it felt like she was actually not Speaking scripted lines, unlike Rhonda's promo from Monday. I'm going to desecrate
0: your church, Jeff.
1: Yes, your place. You worship this ring. I'm going to desecrate your sanctuary. That is something that somebody writes when they tell you write a wrestling promo.
0: That's right. A wrestling promo when you're 14, though. Yeah. And you're trying to be the undertaker. But you're like a knockoff undertaker.
1: You know what it is? It's write a wrestling promo, but you don't watch professional wrestling really or you just know it from or WWE or you think that wrestling
0: is characters like the bone lord or something like that
1: yeah it's campy oh wrestling's campy i'm going to write a campy promo full of four dollar words that i can't say and you know i'm going to desecrate and, and what's the other, decimate and it's like oh okay
0: you will be obliterated
1: yeah it it's model it's bad guy monologuing that's what it is it, it's cape stuff you know, from The Incredibles. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give this monologue in front of my giant laser before I shoot you right now. You know, it's it's. I I liked the touch of her saying I could take on Becky and Charlotte by myself. I was like, great, make it a handicap match. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I just it it she just comes off as so supremely not good. It, it's, that call it's such by a...
0: Renee didn't help. Right after Rhonda punched Becky, where she's like, "Rhonda's writing her own story and she's making her own rules." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." Uh, we it's all oh, so much. Look,
1: you know what? She she could have just brought out the script.
2: Yeah, like right. like a
1: WCW Jeff Jarrett type thing. See, it says in the script here, "I'm supposed to attack Becky." It's like, oh god, I. This broke. I mean, between this and and the so, cause they think everybody's following the social media part of it. And I got news for you. It, this is true in, in your other love of politics. About ten percent of the people see anything going on in a given day on Twitter.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That that's the intense fan base for most things. Actually, I I I've, I've been looking at this deeper. I, I don't want to get lost in the weeds, but yeah, it's about ten to fifteen percent everyone else is kind of a lesser level of engagement and also I don't know that I really buy that um, the social media interactions were all part of this clever storyline in this 3D chess move by Becky
1: yeah uh, Oh, this was my plan all along. Yeah, and you right. fell for it. It was a plan all along.
0: <laughs> I was I
1: was I was gonna get cleared medically despite having a broken leg, and then I was just gonna screw with you until I knew you were gonna come down there and beat me up. But you know what? I knew you were only gonna come down and beat me up after Right as my I was on the cusp of losing that destroyed. match. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm just like, all right, look, I, I can't.
0: I thought I'd have the I best chance for my WrestleMania by letting my leg yeah. get beaten up a whole bunch throughout a match before i finally come out the winner <laughs> okay
1: good plan brilliant plan there <laughs> yeah, yeah. the man <laughs> nice job kaiser soze you know <laughs> oh my goodness yeah this would have been so much better being a one-on-one build and so much simpler but it, it's now with, with ronda trying to i mean from going from smiling and happy to frowning to i was faking that happiness all along i don't care about look i can believe she's mad about the Los Angeles reaction, I was there. I was like surprised by the reaction in Los Angeles when they booed her. Um, but now it just, it's all so. <laughs> it's, it's hitting you with the clue by four. Look, I'm a bad guy now, and I don't really like wrestling, and you're supposed to hate me because I'm insulting the thing you love most.
0: But it's more than that. It, it's that this is all an act. It's it's someone in Star Wars like Grand Moff Tarkin commenting to Vader, oh, yeah, you can do the Force Choke thing to me, but this is all just a fake movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's commenting on the thing as it's going on. And then on Raw... Just to prove how bad, (laughs) just to prove how bad Ronda Rousey is, they send out Dana Brooke. I got nothing against Dana Brooke. She was put into this roster far too quick to be paired with Emma. And you know what, Chris, if this was someone who had been on the roster for years or decades and had earned a bit of goodwill, even if she was a heel like, say, a Mickey James, I'd have felt sorry for her. But Dana Brooke comes out here not more than a month after going through two face-and-heel turns in consecutive weeks over a three-week period, and gives this heartfelt, I-love-my-job-so-much promo, I just want a chance, and more importantly,
0: Jeff, I'm here for a fight. I'm here for a fight. I have come down mentally prepared for a physical ordeal. Let's do this right now. Oh, God, stop, please. No, no, no more. Oh, please stop.
1: And they think the reaction is going to be, yes, I'm getting behind this underdog. And no, the reaction is, you're Don Quixote fighting you windmills. Yeah, you had no you chance. Dummy.
0: Yeah, that's the perception you of Dana don't. Brooks,
1: yeah. Oh, I'm going to watch you get destroyed. This will be fun. You know, you idiot. <laughs> you you, you del- delusional you No, know, this fool. is Heath
0: Slater going up to Brock Lesnar and saying, I've been in this company for months or years and I want my chance and I'm here to fight you right now, Brock Lesnar. I'm going to fight you. And you don't feel like Heath Slater is being courageous. You think that Heath Slater's being a moron.
1: Yeah, this is Kurt Hawkins challenging Brock Lesnar. Sure. And, and, and the, and the commentary team putting over, well, this might be the night the streak's broken. It's like, no, nobody, nobody has bought in for a second because you haven't earned that goodwill. You didn't earn this story with Dana. And then you throw her out there, and you expect her to get sympathy, and everybody's just—and this she crowd got reacted appropriately in that
0: exchange. I mean, that's the worst part. Is how's she going to get sympathy when she's just getting her hat
1: handed to her? And here's the thing: she had a pretty good acting job on this. That's that's the thing that kills me. It was a a pretty well executed promo to get the reaction you wanted. The problem was the character hadn't built up enough goodwill to get the reaction. That's the wrong
0: character. It's just all it yeah. is i mean it's the right words in the wrong person's mouth so you don't get the right reaction
1: now you were watching this with non-wwe fans mm-hmm.
0: well or like non you know get on twitter and fall with every minute right. of everyday types
1: non-non-obsessive non you know they're not, not going to be on many- message boards there's not six million she's, they're not one of those six million podcasts that you know, they don't have, have any I podcasts.
0: Suck. They catch yeah. Raw every so often, and usually catch the pay-per-views.
1: And what did they think of this?
0: They actually were mildly excited for Dana Brooke, and they thought that this helped her. But they also thought that maybe this was the start of something for Dana Brooke. To which I poured some cold. Yeah, I, I poured some cold water on that. I was like, I don't think this is the start of anything for Dana Brooke. <laughs>
1: God bless casual fans. I I I miss their optimism. I
0: know, I I miss the optimism. They say things, and I'm like, I want it to be like that. Yes.
1: It's like I'll have friends text me occasionally, like I had one. When Mustafa Ali came out, they go, do you think that Mustafa, they may put the title on Mustafa? Just to give him, you know, just to have him. No, no, don't do that to yourself. Don't, I care about you. Don't.
0: Yeah, this is just going to hurt you. I I don't want to see that.
1: Go with your most cynical expectations, and then if they're defied, you go, oh, that wasn't that bad. Right, yeah, yeah.
0: I, <laughs> I, I, once I did that, once I recalibrated and set the bar lower, sometimes my expectations are exceeded, and that's pleasant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes if you're not expecting a well-thought-out storyline and you get a good match, you go, okay, that wasn't that bad. And it's kind of the story of this card.
0: Yeah, I, there's actually a lot of I know we're talking about the story part of it. There was a lot of wrestling on this card that I rather that was really enjoyed. Good. Yeah. Um I and I was starting to fade a, event. Yeah, I was starting to fade a little bit by the time we got to this main event. And I think some of the crowd was a little bit, but this is a good match.
1: This was a love this was a love letter to the Shield. Yeah, it and sure was. It, and it's and it's what the crowd wanted. They crowd they 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 did, you know, 3 on 1 beatdowns by the Shield, which were their bread and butter when they first came in. They got all the ooh you know, all the all the three man power bomb stuff. They got plenty of Superman punches and a drive by. They got
0: signature spots that were only in the tag team matches that didn't last into their singles careers. So, you know, like uh yeah. the rope drape clothesline thing that Dean Ambrose used to do that we got a little tired of. He brought that back for one night and that was nice.
1: They they got and they got Ambrose getting his butt kicked, which was always the move in these matches, because once <laughs> <laughs> once Seth became the high flyer and once Roman became you know the superstar, Dean's the guy getting heat and I just wanted that one moment where he goes, This was so not worth it. <laughs> but um the only thing that that I had any concern about was that uh dive spot by Seth because I just I watched the WrestleMania main event going away. Just for a split second, when he jumped off on, for the dive off of the uh, railing in the arena, and I could just see him getting injured and going, well, we're going to get Roman and Brock. But luckily, that didn't happen.
0: No, no. Um, I like the follow-up to the next night here. But yeah, the tail end of this match, I, I loved the methodical stalking of all three of these people. Baron Corbin, great job selling at the tail end of this match, right? Like, like the, the triple powerbomb shot with Corbin wouldn't have worked nearly as good if he didn't have that panicked animal look on his face. My
1: favorite moment was obviously there was some miscommunication there where um, Corbin's going to do that boss man thing where he slides out of the ring and then jumps back in.
0: Yes. And yeah. he literally
1: runs through a foot. He literally runs through a boot to the face. I love that they still did a
0: commentary. That was so funny, where they were like, I can't believe he just kept going. I'm like, yeah, me me, neither.
1: Yeah, and, and the follow-up wasn't bad. You know, it's, it's weird because Dean basically got retconned into old Dean again, and that's fine. I mean, he was going to be the sacrificial lamb, and I thought it helped build up Drew a bit.
0: Yeah, is he done-done? Was this us writing off Dean? Because if it was, I was fine with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was fine with it. I thought maybe he would be Roman's opponent at Mania, but it looks like, yeah, they sacrifice him. He might be in like a. He, he might be in like the Battle Royal or something, but this felt like they were writing off the character.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I, I liked that match, man. I, I thought Dean showed good fire throughout. And Drew McIntyre is such a great, intense. Merciless heel. He really has a merciless quality about him that uh, a lot of other characters don't.
1: We have a new Intercontinental champion.
0: We sure do, Lashley, Lashley, Lashley. Come on, Jeff. No. Oh
1: my goodness. I, I understand why they do these things because they want they want the title on a big, strong boy going in. And then everybody's going to have to fight through him. But come on with this referee not being able to throw Leo Rush out of the match. Yeah, right. And like stopping the
0: match momentarily to kind of regain control of the match, tossing Leo Rush. I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in this that I thought was goofy. I mean, the big thing is that Leo Rush, yeah, okay, now he seems like a man with a plan. But that happens all at the expense of Finn Balor, who looks like a real goof
1: exactly and what they did afterwards was on on social media only they played up dissension between Lashley and Leo again a bit. i thought that was supposed uh, uh, to uh, fix everything well the, him winning the title was supposed to fix everything but now lashley owes leo dun 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 oh so now leo like, oh. wants the title i think we're getting a multi man ladder match
0: oh boy okay that and sense. I think this is
1: supposed to set it up because we always have to have one, one car crash where everybody ends and up killing it's going to be for
0: the Intercontinental title, of course, an Intercontinental ladder match at WrestleMania.
1: Look, it, it got Zack Ryder over.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> it sure. Who, who who could forget? Oh, I
1: wanted that one to mar- I wanted that one to marinate a bit. Damn you! <laughs> I was. I think I was. I was at that Mania. Yeah, yeah, that was the that one in Dallas. That was in Dallas. Yeah, I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, who could forget? So was I. Who could forget that that great one day run where he lost it because Maurice interfered on behalf of the Miz the next day.
0: Other than that, uh, Shelton Benjamin now I guess is on Raw. Uh, nice job not connecting him to Brock Lesnar in a more direct way. It, I, it would have been a yeah. fine pull. Uh, to say that Benjamin's here to kind of step up for his buddy, or kind of you know be there as the higher gun for his buddy, but we we didn't really get that through line. He was just a proxy.
1: No, Heyman just mentioned it offhand. Oh, he was his coach at the University of Minnesota and helped him break into the business. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. You gotta. Connect. That's his reason for being here right now. You gotta connect those dots for people who don't know why Shelton Benjamin's in the ring right now. You know, they used to be tag team partners. They're really great friends. You know, he's, he's, he's Brock's proxy right now. He's a You know what you can do? The bounty angle. They haven't done a bounty angle in WWE in years. Heyman's put a bounty on him, so all of Brock's friends are coming out of the woodwork, like Harley Race versus Flair, and when Dick Slater and Bob Orton tried to cash in on him. No, Shelton's the type of guy who would go after a bounty. So yeah, do that. Do something. To get Shelton a little bit more of a shine here, because otherwise everybody's going, oh, it's that geek who always loses on SmackDown. Yeah,
0: what is this guy's purpose? And the answer is, there is none. He's just here. He's just attacking Seth Rollins for no reason. Okay.
1: He's a plot device. And I like to the uh, Kurt Angle, uh, Apollo Cruz thing. I thought that was nice. Uh, yeah, I-, I-, that. I-,
0: I thought that was nice. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to hate on that. I thought that was nice. I'm super nice excited little... about Alexa Bliss as the host of WrestleMania.
1: Boy. Oh, Wait. Babyface versus Babyface on, on that match. Uh, nice touch so that nobody had to boo and nobody had to get heat. It was just, hey, two guys, who's the better man? Oh, yes, Alexa Bliss, the host. I I, I don't know. This host thing does nothing for anybody who ends up doing it, which is oh, funny. Oh,
0: uh, let me tell you about a little celebrity known as Kim Kardashian.
1: Yeah. Well, here, here's the other thing that, that, that gets me is all of Alexa Bliss's social media and stuff over the week has her at the PC training with Mike Quackenbush and thanking him profusely for all the tips he's given her on her comeback and she's cleared to return and I (laughs) I think the I'm I'm torn between whether or not they still see her as a full time performer or as just, you know, a sex pot talk show host. And thinking that this is going to be the way that they get her into a program with Asuka and switch her onto the SmackDown roster.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I do see her coming back at some point. But Or Becky. Yeah. But I'm not sure. She is getting more and more comfortable with the microphone every week. She's she's a very natural speaker now.
1: She's she's great. They they don't give her a lot to work with, but she's great. But it's like I I and I like, you know, the reveal you can see coming a mile away. It's just one of those things where you wonder sometimes. Okay, they've had her doing this for a while. Or is she ever going to get back and compete?
0: Another person, or do I'm they wondering. Just not see her there? Yeah, what about Braun Strowman? Speaking of people, where I'm not really sure what they see in Braun Strowman at this point, I am so confused. If you had asked me a year ago, I would have said Braun Strowman was kind of the future face of this company, at least for you know a while in the absence of Roman Reigns. Now he is like mid card comedy.
1: Chris, you you may oh that I would have had to put this on the uh on the cleanup if we didn't talk about it now. This time last year, Braun Strowman was teasing a mystery partner for WrestleMania that turned out to be John Cohn's son, Nicholas. I think there's a chance that he and Colin Jost win the tag team titles at this year's WrestleMania. That entire sketch was to sell. Toys through an email blast. Did you see this? No, but I, I
0: did hear about the fact that, like, that car was apparently, like, an exact replica of the car that you can buy in this new toy thing that they're making.
1: Yes, with a very happy looking Braun Strowman. Huh. So I'm guessing we're, the co- bad comedy sketches on WrestleMania will be Braun and Colin Jost somehow having tension and probably making up and probably having a moment and probably beating the revival at this point. I'm, I, I, I'm just amazed at how two years ago we thought this guy, we thought Vince had fallen in love with this guy and he was going to be money. And you could
0: see why too. The guy's not a bad wrestler. He really isn't.
1: But then he gets put into the giant paradigm where it's like, well, we can't do him here. Uh, because we'd ruin his heat and we can't do him here, so we need to find stuff for him to do to be on TV. And we're not
0: really willing to do the long, methodical title reign build that you need to do with a giant character because we want to have Brock Lesnar in the mix. I mean, Braun Strowman, maybe more than anyone on this roster, has been a real casualty of the continued hanging around of Brock Lesnar on this roster as the champion. Well,
1: if- well, remember, they 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 had him as part of that stable with Dolph and Drew, and then they turned him out of the blue because they had lost Roman. Right. And then and then he just kind of got lost. And now he comes out and he says, get these hands. And that's about it. Yeah, I'm 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 flummoxed as to, you know, is there a story you can build with a long build? Because he's already faced everybody. I, I I just think you need some sort of reboot on him.
0: Yeah, I, I he needs to maybe even go away for a while and then come yeah. back and be a wrecking ball, forced to be reckoned with, just messing up everything, maybe even have him pop up on NXT for like a week and a half. Uh, you know, just, just slowly make a terror all through the WWE universe and come back because like right, right now he's stuck in a holding pattern. And it is the it's very much chaos.
1: He'll just Yeah. To go from show to show
0: <laughs> yeah no that'd be good though because he, he is large and so that does create some limitations as to what he can do otherwise you're just tossing over cars every week and then it kind of feels like a knockoff of street fighter 2 turbo the little bonus stage
1: if this week proved anything it proves that we who deconstruct this stuff a little bit too much can write stories in our head that make decisions that they're not putting that much depth into make sense it, it's so weird to me to to talk wrestling with people and they're they're just going no you could do this this and this and it will be great and i'm like they're not they're not thinking about that it, it was a little frustrating but we have nxt 205 live and nxt uk coming up so that should be a much more happier show chris yeah
0: it usually is i feel like we we de-stress and we come back fresher on Thursdays and in and, and a little bit better mood, a little bit lighter. You know, three hours and 41 minutes of Fastlane plus three hours of Raw plus two hours of SmackDown is a lot of watching, a lot of television. But if you can't get enough Shake Them Ropes, you know what you can do, Jeff?
1: Uh, what? Do tell. Yeah. You
0: can sign up for the Patreon. We got one of those. So you go to patreon.com slash shake them ropes. We have bonus episodes up there. We're going to do another watch along here. Uh, you guys seem to appreciate those and, and we like doing those and those are kind of easy to do. Although I would like to do another researchy in-depth episode like the Andy Kaufman one somewhere down the line here. But uh, sign up patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Uh, kick us some money. That helps. Every dollar helps. You can find me on Twitter. At C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O You can find Jeff at C-A-R-A-P-G-A-M-E-13 I can spell, don't laugh at me I'm good at spelling And the show its just
1: called me Carp Hold on, you just called me Carp Game 13 Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah?
0: and Carp Game <laughs> And and at Shake Them Ropes is the other thing Voices of the Wrestling is the podcasting network Is there anything else, Jeff?
1: We'll just let that marinate.
0: Okay, (laughs) carp.
2: In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a
1: new, shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Kuhn, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.